Welcome to episode 555 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Josh, I think it has been probably at least a year, if not more, since we've missed two weeks in a row. But that's kind of fitting for our respective crazy lives right now. So crazy. So crazy. Yeah, but it feels so good to be back. It feels good to be podcasting. It's uh, nice to finally get to chat with you again because we've barely even talked in in the couple of weeks it's been since we've podcasted together. I know. It's been nuts. And I'm home again, and I'm so happy about that. But you like lost your light, so you look ghostly on the on Yeah, the I know. If you're looking at us <laughs> on the live show, it's just not good. But I will eventually refind my key light. It's packed somewhere. <laughs> that is the problem. That is definitely the problem of moving and traveling and all that. So well, we've got some feedback tonight from various sources, including email and Slack. That's the last one. So uh, let's go with the the first one from Joe. Yeah, I'll read this one. So he says, I plan on buying the Apple TV, but I was wondering if Richard is getting the 32 gigabyte or 64 gigabyte version for 180 versus $200. Normally, I just spend the 20 and not think about it. But some others online said you don't need 64 gigabytes, but I don't trust those people when I can ask Richard. <laughs> this level of trust comes from years of wisdom, and since he bought the Samsung frame and not the 720p TV he was thinking about. I think that was a slam right there, but whatever. That was a, that was a, I think you call that a left-handed compliment. Anyway, why isn't there some donation system for this show? If there is, you don't talk about it. I donate to others. I don't enjoy as much as this one. That sounds like a hint. <laughs> So uh, and, let's and one of the nicest compliments we've received in a while. <laughs> yeah, really. Thank you very much. We do not have a donation system. That is something that we could look into. You know, we recently talked about the subscribe model that Apple has allowed. Of course, that only would work for people who use Apple Podcasts. I don't know. We 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 need to think about this one a little bit. So you gave us some food for thought there. But let's get back to the question. I already ordered one, and I ordered the low-end version. So here's the thing. If you use your Apple TV for gaming, get the larger model. Get the version that has 64 gig. If you don't use it for gaming, you don't need that memory for anything. There is no application that you're going to download that you're going to want to use for streaming or like looking at real estate properties or watching fake fireplaces that's going to require that much memory. So my recommendation is buy the small one unless you plan to use the device for gaming and then get the more expensive one for that purpose and that purpose only. Yep. Sounds valid to me. Like 
But basically, if Richard tells you you don't need to buy the expensive one of anything, then that's that's definitely the the right choice. I know, right? I mean, <laughs> he just said that I went for the more expensive TV. Now, granted, there was some peer pressure in there, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, from from all of the DMZ contributors and then pretty much all of our listeners after I outed you on the podcast. Yeah. So a little bit of peer pressure. Just right. a little bit. Here, should I buy this really inexpensive Roku <laughs> TV or one that costs literally 10 times as much? And you're happy about it. Anyway, next message is from Alfred. I, I'm i wondering if, we, if we've met Alfred potentially at a home server show meetup. Not, not entirely sure on that one, but maybe. Uh, he wants to know what we think about Jellyfin as like essentially a Plex alternative. I had never even heard of Jellyfin. I had to go and look this up. It's basically a fork of MB, which used to be Media Browser. Eh. I, I mean, I looked at the screenshots. It, it seems it seems like it's. I don't like looking at the screenshots. Makes it look like it's fairly early in development. But it's got a ton of features. It's got a bunch of client apps for you know iOS and Android, Android TV. Uh, I don't know a, a bunch of like Roku. I think was on there. Uh, Amazon Fire TV. I think was on there. So it's mature enough that it's got apps for for a lot of the client ecosystems out there. But I, I was not really blown away by how this thing looks. the The TV guide looks pretty nice i mean it gives you a grid guide so that's that's good but i i didn't see enough there that would make me want to go eh i guess i'm done with plex or any of the competitors yeah i don't know anything about this at all but you know i'm an experienced guy so if you're thinking the experience is subpar i trust your judgment on that and i'm probably going to think the same well, and and I'm basing that entirely off of screenshots, but yeah, there there just wasn't a lot there. All right, the last one is the one that came in via Slack. Uh, we've gotten some some odd ways of getting listener feedback on the show. I, I mentioned recently a text message from from a friend. This one was from a coworker via the work Slack. So he listened to what was probably our last episode um, way back in April, where we were talking about. Logitech giving up on Harmony, and he said, I have a Harmony one and I like it, but for years I've been thinking about getting a newer version with the hub so I could control smart devices and not be limited to infrared. What are your thoughts on getting one now? I hope the prices will drop with the discontinuation, but I don't want to miss out on the remaining inventory. I I don't know, like we don't know how long Logitech is actually going to support any of this stuff. If you can get it cheap, maybe. And and I don't think that they're going to like drop it in July or anything like that, but I don't I don't know that this is that these are going to be like bargain basement like go and grab one of the the smart ones with the hub that was regularly like 80 bucks. Like I don't think you're going to find those for 20 or anything like that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I would bet that a lot of them have already been snatched up and people are like scalping them on eBay. That's my guess just because of yep. the state of humanity right now. But yep. <laughs> so 
I'm not sure that I would even put the effort into it at this point. What do you think, Richard? Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. You came to a different conclusion than I would. My answer is yes, absolutely get one. But I think that it depends probably on your price tolerance for this stuff. I do not expect prices to go down. I think that Logitech knows that their products are in demand and they really have no reason to lower the prices as their stock dwindles. I don't expect stores to lower the prices either because they're seeing their supply go down. So what's the incentive there? The Harmony One was, in my opinion, really the remote that changed everything for the Harmony line. And the 900 brought that into the RF uh, uh, venue where you no longer had to worry about line of sight. All of the hub products are built that way now. So anything that you can get that uses the hub, including the companion remote, which doesn't have a screen, but does have plenty of buttons on it that you should be fine unless you have some obscure device that needs a weird button that this wouldn't have. And that's what you need the screen for. Or if you like the favorites for, say, different channels and stuff like that. But I use the no screen version that doesn't even, it's not even the companion. It's the smart control. And I think you use the same thing, Josh, if I, I remember correctly. Yeah. And and that's an inexpensive remote at the normal retail price of, like I said, I think it's 70 or 80 bucks or something like that. But it's also not great if you have tons of devices because it's only got three activity buttons. And yes, you can program them for short press versus long press, but no one in your house is going to remember how to do short, you know, what, what this button does for short and for long. And I can't remember my own ones. Uh, right. Like for me, I've got, so I, I just change. I'm like, nope, short or long doesn't matter. It does the same thing for me. And if I need to start my PlayStation 4, I will pull out my phone and activate the activity that way. <laughs> like, I'm I'm just not dealing with it. Yeah, I, I can see that. In fact, my most often successful troubleshooting uh, path is to say, well, did you maybe long press the button instead <laughs> of just regular press it? And that's usually the fix. So yeah, I, I get that. But I think that these are good remotes and they're worth looking into and they're not as expensive as, say, the Elite, which is still a $250 or $280 remote and not everybody wants to plunk that much money out for one of these things. I don't think that Logitech is going to cancel these things in any short order. They've suggested that they plan to continue to support these and even stated outright that they will even support new AV devices as they become available. And we've mentioned this before, they own the database with the best repository of infrared codes for all the different AR AV devices out there. So I doubt they're just going to throw that in a toilet. Someday they'll probably sell it. 
or license it or something. Mm-hmm. But again, if you get a, f- a few good years out of one of these remotes, personally, I feel like that's a worthwhile investment, if, in my opinion. Yeah, if you think it's going to be a few good years, then I I agree. I do. I do. I, I don't think we're going to see this go away in a year or two. I think we're going to see three to five years still. But if you hear any rumors of Google buying them, sell your stuff immediately. <laughs> All right, let's get into the news. So for this niche, I think this is the biggest news of the week. And and that is that our friends over at Silicon Dust have not one, not two, but three new products that they've sort of kind of announced, maybe. (laughs) Well, they announced that they were going to announce them. Yeah. Did they ever actually announce them? I'm not sure if they ever actually... Like, I stopped checking their Twitter feed after a week, uh, and especially when other news outlets discovered yeah, they haven't actually announced them, but the new products are on Amazon, they're listed on their web store, like, it, it's there. So, what have they got? Well, first off, what don't they have anymore? The Connect Duo and the Connect Quattro, their two and four tuner ATSC 1.0 tuners, they're gone. No more. New devices in their place. The Flex Duo. It's their new two-tuner device, replacing the Connect Duo. It's 110 bucks, And the thing that's different is it has a USB port. Why does it have a USB port? So that you can plug in an external hard drive, because you can use this tuner as your DVR. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So similar to like the Amazon Fire TV Recast, or... Tableau or something like that. Uh, yeah, you just bring whatever hard drive you want. You plug it in the back. You've got a DVR. If you're willing to give Silicon Dust 35 bucks a year for their DVR service, which that's a pretty low cost. It's so not $35 really, a month. It's $35 yeah. a year for good their deal. DVR service. Really good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is less expensive than the Fire TV device. It's way better looking if that matters like depending on where you put this thing it might not matter what it looks like but it's significantly smaller uh and a lot less ugly the price is really really good i like it but you might be thinking but isn't atsc3 coming out and don't they have an atsc3 tuner yes they do and so there's a flex 4k and that has four tuners Two of this is the important detail that I think a lot of people miss. Two of the four tuners are ATSC 3.0. Two of them are ATSC 1.0. Right. And we talked about that when this product was initially announced through their like crazy popular campaign they did on Kickstarter. Right. Last year sometime. Yep. Yeah. So again, it's the Flex. So it also has a USB in it for running the dvr right on the device and this one will set you back 199 now i think that's the same price as what the the 4k tuner was last year wasn't it i think that was the intro price if i remember i thought that they were predicting a higher price for retail but i don't 100 percent remember well, someone in the chat, Sharp Dressed Penguin, has one of these. So if he's actually listening right now, maybe he can tell us what he... Because he bought one on on the Kickstarter. 
So oh wow, he might actually remember. I don't remember. All right. So that that's one of the two new devices. The third one is a Scribe 4K, and the Scribe. Uh, this is this was the device that I always had built in storage. This one, it's a Scribe 4K, so it's like the Flex 4K where it's got the two ATSC three tuners and two ATSC one tuners, but it has one terabyte of storage built in. And it includes one year of the DVR service for free. And the cost of this is $279.99. So you're getting a terabyte of storage and 35 years, 35 years, $35 worth of DVR service for the additional 80 bucks. Yeah, that's not bad. I, I can't decide if that makes sense or not. It just seems like storage is so cheap now. I have a hard time justifying the extra $80 there. Yeah, but it also means you don't have to have a separate device hanging off of it. True, but I mean, it's going to be in a closet somewhere, right? Or cabinet or something. Hopefully getting plenty of ventilation, because I'm sure we all make sure of that. Right, because it's going to probably get hot. But you're right. Um, it, It doesn't need to be sitting next to your TV, other than the fact that your antenna needs to be plugged into it which is normally next to your, you know, near your TV. Yeah. I'm just thinking, I mean, mine is, I don't have the 4K, obviously, but my Kinect Duo is up in the attic because I have cable coming in there and that's where all of my other network stuff is. So I'm sure it's getting plenty of ventilation. Yeah, We don't have to talk about that. In the attic, I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) So... You interested in any of these? Maybe not. You don't really. I mean, you're you're a prime guy, right? I am, and I'm just. I mean, I don't have the. I don't have the um, the 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 need for this as much. I'm still using cable, and I have, like, I have played with Locast a little bit for local programming, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but. I think this is good for people who want 4K over-the-air stuff. I just, this isn't me. I I just don't know that this meets a need that I have now. Perhaps if I were a cord cutter, I would care about this more. It's a good product. It's an important product, but it's not something that scratches an itch that I have. Okay. Uh, Sharp Dressed Penguin replied in the chat. It it was 200 for his, uh, but again, that didn't have the USB port. All right, so let's move on to a story from our friend Dave Zatz. Yeah, so as he's always known to do, Dave Zatz is kind of following the moves from the TiVo world. And the latest news from him, taken from a comment from, actually a series of comments from the CEO of Xperi, the company that now owns TiVo and all of its IP and devices and so forth at their latest quarterly earnings call. And they were talking about their strategy and that their strategy had been this kind of three-prong approach that all started with the new stream device that they had, the TiVo stream that we were really excited about when we heard about it, less excited about it when it first launched, you and I both bought it immediately. You and I, I think, both stopped using it immediately. 
because it just it disappointed it 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 was buggy and it didn't really do everything that we expected it to it has gotten better it has gotten a lot better and i mentioned i was going to say uh talk about lowcast lowcast is now one of the tv offerings that you can use with your grid guide television on the tivo stream which is great that's a really good thing but you may remember that it's built on android tv and Google's strategy with Android TV going forward is that Android TV and Google TV are kind of merging, or sorry, <clears throat> yeah, Android TV and Google TV are kind of merging, and they're putting this new really good, I mean really good interface on top of Google TV stuff. I love the interface. I think it's great. I used it the whole time I was traveling. and. Did I, it had I not already been an Apple TV user and customer, I would probably end up using Google TV. So they see this as direct competition because it only costs 50 bucks. It also has the integrated live TV stuff that you can get potentially. And so now, now what? Now what are they going to do? And so they were talking about maybe you know, maybe they need to come up with a new approach because their next step was going to be, okay, well, we could integrate into smart TVs and that's an option, kind of like Roku's done it, but Roku already has all of the really popular low-end brands now, kind of. And so Dave started speculating, okay, what would they do? Would they partner maybe with some company? Well. Everybody's already partnered up. TiVo's late to the game, like years late to the game. Maybe they create their own custom device on a lighter version of Android that isn't really Android TV. And so it would not be necessarily as expensive or directly competing with other Android and Google TV devices. So Dave is suggesting that they he believes that they're going to be moving away from android and uh it sounds like the folks at Xperi contacted him very quickly when dave as he does got some good coverage for his post and wanted to put in a qualifying quote basically saying that you know Xperi believes in the future of devo and blah 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 yeah okay whatever but they didn't outright deny that this might be the case so it'll be interesting to see what happens here because while, like I said, you and I were disappointed, Josh, with the original offering, TiVo Stream has evolved kind of nicely, and it is a good competitor to the Google TV offering. It is the only thing I'm aware of that I believe fully integrates Netflix with the discovery experience. Even Google TV doesn't fully do that. Mm. Right. And Apple TV doesn't either. Right. Right. But the interface was a little bit cluttered and it wasn't the all of the wonderfulness that we're used to with TiVo. And it doesn't have DVR capability unless you're using the service that they partnered with with Sling. And that's always very limited based on what channel you're watching or so. Yeah, it was just. It was not the panacea that we hoped it to be, and I think they've found that they didn't have the success that they expected with it, and now 
they have competition that they certainly didn't expect. So watch this space. Or not, because I think they're doomed. I I don't think they've got any place to go from here because they're not going to be able to win on Android TV. And they can't go with some like stripped down version of Android TV because that doesn't really exist. There's, There's Android or there's Android TV. And they, if they were to use Android, then it's not going to support Android TV apps or, right. or that sort of experience. And if they were to try to do some sort of stripped down thing that isn't actually Android TV, Google probably won't give them the Play Store, which means they won't have any of the apps. And if you don't have any of the apps, then you have nothing. You have to have the apps. So Right, right. If, Good point. If they're not going to do something on Android TV, what are their other options? Going back to making something entirely on their own and hoping that all of these other content providers out there are going to make apps for TiVo's new thing, even when TiVo wasn't like on its deathbed, which is what it kind of feels like now. You know, when they when they were really like the focus of the the premium DVR experience, TiVo mm-hmm. still struggled to get the the newest apps like does the yep does the I, and I can't even remember now the the name of of the newest uh, the TV edge TV. okay the the edge does that have Disney Plus yet oh that's a good question I honestly don't know the answer to that Disney Plus has been out for a year and a half yeah I don't know <laughs> so like I hate to say it because TiVo is a beloved company and they made such great stuff for so long but. If if they're backing away from Android TV, I don't think they've got any other good options left. I hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't know what they do that that still gives them all of the apps that everybody would want. Yeah, I don't know either, except that I think that if I were in their shoes, I would try to beat Google at its own game. I would work to do what TiVo has done well with some missteps over the years, but what they've really excelled in, which is the experience and double down on making that seamless discovery experience that they initially promoted for this and really only partially delivered on because it's so different and because it's so um, cluttered. And that's, that's what Google's done fairly well, surprisingly, because Google's generally not good at the UI. They've been getting better at stuff like that. But Google TV kind of came out of nowhere with that discovery experience. And there is room for improvement. And I think the integration of linear content, the way that TiVo has presented it, is a nice advantage. And they need to figure out how to like make all that work and work better than the Google TV device. Right. Well, let, let's stick with Google and talk about YouTube TV. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Google messing with other companies, <laughs> you've probably heard that Google and Roku have been in a bit of a tiff, very similar to what you might hear from, oh, I don't know, maybe Fox Sports and 
your local carrier or some uh, some major cable company and the Weather Channel. Well, YouTube TV was contracted to be on Roku, and that contract expired. Now, you might think, contract? What are you talking about? It's a freaking app. Yeah, it is. But the way that Roku makes money is off of the app providers that make money on content. So they negotiate contracts with each of the different app and content providers that earn revenue on their content. We had this same issue you may remember with HBO Max and Peacock, right? So eventually those things worked themselves out, but now we have this going on with Google. And so Roku pulled the YouTube TV app out of its store. Now, if you still have it and you still use YouTube TV, don't uninstall that app because it still works. It will work for you, but you will not be able to reinstall it if you uninstall it. So what are you to do? Well, Google decided, well, hey, we already have this YouTube app, and we could just put our TV in there, right? And we have a contract with that as well, but that's good until the end of the year. So yeah, okay, if you have YouTube, now you can get to your YouTube TV through the YouTube app. And um, so far, we haven't heard Roku's response to this volley because this is clever and a little bit nasty. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, actually, it's kind of nice that everything's all in one place for your YouTube stuff now. It's weird that this is how it got there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But now you can do all your YouTube stuff from, hey, guess what? The YouTube app, like we might have originally expected it to work. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So I I was thinking about the story this morning and I thought, what is YouTube thinking? Like they've just recently raised their rates. They are maybe not the most expensive because I think the AT&T offering is still more expensive. but one of the most expensive live TV streaming services available at the the base package is $65 a month. Right. And they're going to throw a hissy fit with Roku, the number one streaming device provider in the world. So, so they're going to make it harder for people to watch their really expensive service. What are they thinking? But when you point it out, Similar situations with HBO Max and with Peacock. There is another similarity with those stories. Those were both with Roku. Is Roku just being a bully here? Like, I'm never one to side with Google, but it's, it's <laughs> starting to sound like Roku is the problem. I think, I think the challenge is that Roku has a bit of a different business model than some of these other streaming devices. It is similar to Amazon to some extent, but they, this is how they make money and they play really hard at this. Now, a lot of people have been like, Oh, little scrappy Roku is fighting again. No, come on. Let's be serious about this. Little scrappy Roku is not a little scrappy company. Roku sits in the former headquarters of Netflix. 
this is not a tiny little company anymore. No. They are traded on the, uh, I, I think it's NASDAQ or Dow Jones. I don't remember which. This is a legit big company of, as you said, the leading streaming device. Now, they're losing share. There are others that are playing now, so that that's getting a little bit more muddy. But they have been playing really hard. And maybe it's going to take something like the Goliath. What bad analogy. Okay, never mind. But <laughs> maybe it's going to take something like someone as big as Google to finally kind of put the thumbs on them and get them to a position that's mutually agreeable. I, I mean, I don't know anything about how Google negotiates deals. I'm hoping that, you know, they're not like old world Microsoft, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe they're trying to get away with not having to pay more, even though they're making more now. I just don't know. It, it seems like, and, and maybe they're already doing this, but it seems like the thing that Google should be doing is it like every ad break on YouTube TV showing an ad for you should get a Google Chromecast with Google TV and then right? like including a month of YouTube TV for free or something like that with it. Well, it's funny that you should say that because one of the things that has been, maybe this is confirmed, I don't know, but I have heard rumors that Google has threatened to just send everybody <laughs> on Roku a Google TV device. That would be crazy. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. I am sure they would end up in some sort of legal fight for monopolistic practices if they did that. But yeah. Except that no one could claim that Google has a monopoly in this area. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I I don't know. It's I just this is going to be fun to watch. Yeah. So grab the popcorn. Make some popcorn. popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one audio story to hit on this week and that is from Wise, the company that just keeps churning out more and more consumer electronics devices for dirt cheap prices. And Wise they're not even new to headphones. They've already got some some wireless Bluetooth uh, active noise canceling headphones. But before today, they didn't have any truly wireless earbuds. And so their first entry into the wireless earbud space is called the Wise Buds Pro. Kind of similar to like the AirPods Pro. So mm -hmm. they are wireless earbuds. They have active noise cancellation. They have transparency mode, very common on these types of, of earbuds where you can press a button and it'll amplify sound from around you coming into the earbuds so that you can still hear your surroundings since these types of earbuds tend to block the entire ear canal. I love that. That is such a nice feature. It's usually a little weird. I don't know. Have, do you have headphones that have it? On my iPod? On my AirPods Pro, okay, <laughs> it's great. Okay, I have I have no problem with it. I have it on my Jabra Elite sixty five T. I think they are, or I don't know, Elite Sport. I don't know, whatever. And it just sounds kind of weird to me. But and and I never leave the house, so why do I need them? And and Ooh. most of the time, I only wear one earbud, so I also don't need it. So 
it, but it it is a nice feature to have. Um, so they also, uh, if you want to plug in the charging case, it uses USB-C. So at least it's using the newest version of USB. But the case also supports Qi wireless charging. It does not include a wireless charging pad, but it does support it if you've already got one for your phone. The battery life, if you have active noise cancellation on, it's four and a half hours per charge, and you can charge three times. In the case, six hours with ANC off. So six hours, that's pretty decent on on earbuds nowadays. Mm-hmm. And then the price, $60. Like, what is that? A quarter of the price of AirPods Pro? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I was trying to do the math. I don't remember what I paid for my AirPods Pro, but yes, it is um it's cheap. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's pretty cheap. So I believe if you pre-order now, they're coming in July. I'm curious. I, I don't know if I'll get some, but uh who knows? That they could be decent. And for that price, it's gonna be hard to beat them. And then the other thing that's kind of weird there is that they're called the Wise Buds Pro, and you're like, well, what what about Wise Buds? Yeah, that's not a thing. It doesn't exist. There's no Wise Buds. There's only Wise Buds Pro. But they did tease at the very bottom of their website that essentially there's another version that'll be announced in June that doesn't have active noise cancellation. I'm going to bet they'll be called the Wise Buds, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And I think naming them Wise Buds Pro was smart because it immediately calls up recognition of the AirPods Pro. Exactly. So you're going to equate those and assume that, oh, well, I could get these instead. Right. Yep, exactly. So let's move on to the gaming news tonight. And we'll start with the Xbox update. So Xbox typically gets a new software update every month, unlike PlayStation 5 when it's like every six months. And this new May update has a couple of important features, especially for you audiophiles. That's that's next, though. So the first one is they've made some enhancements to Quick Resume. And for anybody who's used Quick Resume on an Xbox Series X or Series S, you're probably wondering, so is the enhancement that they made it so that it actually works correctly? It sounds like <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Richard, like, I... I don't, man, it seems I, I'm, I'm awfully negative tonight, but the, the quick resume feature is awesome when it works. Like basically quick recap of what it does. Essentially, when you switch to something else, like if I'm playing NHL and friends hop on and they want to play Call of Duty, I switch to Call of Duty and it takes everything that's in RAM, writes it to disk. And then when you want to play NHL again, it just writes it you know, reads it off of the disc, loads it into RAM, and it's like nothing ever changed. Other than like, you might see a splash screen for a couple of seconds. It's way better than waiting for the whole game to start up. Okay. But a lot of times, there's just weird bugs that crop up, especially in buggier games, but even in less buggy games. So it's gotten to the point now where if I'm going to play Call of Duty, or not, Call of Duty hasn't been so bad for some reason. NHL has been bad. Wasteland 3 has been bad for me. Now I just quit the game so that I don't have to deal with with quick resume because I know it's going to be an issue. Yeah, it's that bad. So in theory, it's more reliable now. It's also somehow faster. Like I'm not really sure how much faster it could get because it is 
really fast. Like quick resume is the right name for this feature. So uh, it, it's going to be faster, hopefully more reliable, and they're giving users a lot more options for how to to deal with quick resume and, and how to see what's using quick resume in in your my games and app section. You're going to get a badge on all of the games that support quick resume. And then you're also going to get a group. Uh, so like you can make your own groups of, of games uh, to be shown in that section, or you can display those groups on the dashboard. It's going to make a group for games that are currently running in quick resume so that you can very quickly say, oh yeah, like I'll, I'll go back to that one. Or, you know, if it's still not very reliable, oh yeah, I want to close all of those so that they'll work the next time that I launch them. The other cool thing that they are doing, and I'm surprised this wasn't there at launch, but they, they're adding audio pass-through capabilities on on the new hardware, the, the Series X and the Series S. And that really only matters to, to those of you who have like high-end AV receivers. You're watching your, your 4K Blu-rays or some of your streaming services, and you don't want the Xbox decoding the audio. Somehow you can tell the difference between your Xbox decoding audio <laughs> versus your, you know, $1,500 or more AV receiver decoding the audio. If that's the case with you, you'll have a checkbox in the audio settings section and you can say enable audio pass through. And for those types of apps, it'll pass through the audio untouched for your AV receiver to do the decoding. And in all fairness, if you're using something like Dolby Atmos, that might be important. Yes. Yeah. But if you're watching Netflix, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Uh, like, Netflix does have some like Dolby Atmos, Atmos stuff. Sure. They, yeah. Sure. They have Atmos stuff. Yeah. So If it's Atmos, yeah. if it's DTSSX, DTSX, that is impossible to say. Yeah. Um, then it matters. If it's regular 5.1 or stereo or whatever. Does anybody notice? I don't know. S- someone out there will, will tell me they can absolutely tell the difference. Not me. All right. So that, that's it for that. Um, the other kind of cool thing that Microsoft is doing is because these consoles are impossible to buy and the PlayStation 5 is also impossible to buy and cars are impossible to buy because you can't buy chips anymore, they are implementing a program for Xbox Insiders where if you join the Insiders program and use the app from your Xbox, you can attempt to join, basically uh, join a program that will allow you to reserve kind of a new console, like a Series X. So it's almost like putting yourself on a wait list, but they definitely don't call it a wait list. It's just putting yourself out there as like, maybe we'll offer uh, a console up to this person to buy. And if you get selected, you can only purchase it from your Xbox. So this is really only for for like big time fans. So you've already got to have an Xbox One. You've got to know about this program, which only like big time fans are even going to know about this thing. And then you've got to do it from your Xbox. And you're like, why the crap do I have to buy a $500 console from my Xbox? Because if it's only available on your Xbox, no one can write a bot to steal mm-hmm. these and then scalp them. Yeah, That's the whole point here. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that's cool. It is cool. I don't know if they're going to put limits on it and stuff because 
or if they're going to look and see if you already have one. Like, are they going to prevent me from buying a second one because I already have a Series X? Could I buy a Series X from my Series X? I don't know. And they're probably like, they're probably going to be smart enough not to allow you to buy multiple through this program, but there's nothing preventing you from doing this, getting one and then scalping it, but you're probably not going to be able to scalp multiples this way. So hopefully it's only the fans who are buying them just for themselves. Can we revisit this shortage issue again? So initially it was supply chain disruptions because COVID. And then it was chip supply, presumably because COVID. You might be able to argue parts got stuck on a barge somewhere in the Suez Canal. (laughs) But Microsoft is a huge player in this game. They're not like say Apple or Intel, but they're a huge player. I don't understand how they're not able to push past or through this faster than other companies that we're seeing having constraints because of the chip shortage. Well, Sony's arguably an even bigger player in the consumer electronics space, and they're struggling also. To the point where on an investor call this week, Sony said you should expect supply to be limited into 2022 next year. (sighs) Yeah, I just don't get it. And now we're not even going to be able to truck them across the country because, you know, fuel shortages now. (laughs) What a messed up world. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well. That's going to do it for our gaming news this week. Richard, it's been like six and a half months since we last recorded. So I'm going to bet you've got a pretty long list of things that have been going on in your entertainment center. Well, keen listeners may remember that I was not home for quite a while. And while not home, I didn't really have a whole lot to do. So I watched a lot of television. But I, do first want to talk about one thing that I tried to tackle when I came home, and that was that the Sonos port I had ordered to replace the Sonos amp that I had incorrectly ordered was waiting for me when I got home. So, of course, this past weekend, I went to hook that up to my AV receiver, and I still can't get it to work. What? Yeah. I don't know what the deal is. I think part of the problem may be that I am using all of the possible channels out that my receiver can do because I'm using Atmos, because I'm doing the 514 thing, and so it doesn't have any pipes left. It's it's all filled. So I don't know. I might need to get another AV receiver at some point? I don't know. I don't want to solve this problem with a new AV receiver. This is just, this is making me crazy. This should not be so hard. So I need to do more work on this. But yeah, it didn't work when I first tried it. So I'm very frustrated. Anyway, as far as watching stuff, Doctor the Winter Soldier, that had its finale. I 
enjoyed that. I know a lot of people panned it, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I thought it was really clever that they managed to give us an entire series, even though it was only six episodes long, of backstory that really just doesn't matter for nobody who saw it. Right. Like if if you're if you're someone who just goes to the next movie and you don't know anything of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you're going to be just fine. So don't worry about it. But if you really like these characters, watch the show. I also uh, went back to Man in the High Castle and finished season two of that. Season five is starting now already. If it hasn't, uh, it'll be soon. And so I'm trying to catch up on that. I finished the, I think, only season of One Day at Disney Shorts. That was a series on Disney+. Plus. I went back to Deadwood. I was still in the midst of season one. So I've watched a couple of episodes of that and for really had forgotten what I like about that. That is a, a an intriguing, really uh, character deep and storyline deep uh, series that got a lot of acclaim. And I'm happy to be back watching that. I also went back and watched a couple of episodes of Hawaii Five O. I was in the middle of season nine when I stopped watching, and I like it. It's kind of mindless, eye candy, situational. Uh, what do you call that? It, it a uh, I forget what they call that, but you know, cop series. Anyway, New Amsterdam. Keeping up with that. Real time with Bill Maher. Keeping up with that. This this week tonight. Those are basically my news shows now. The new series of Mythic Quest started, and the first one was great. The second one was not as great, but I am happy that they were both better than the mid-season thing they just did a couple weeks ago, so that's good news. I did watch the HTV Smart HGTV Smart Home 2021 special, and yeah, there's just another smart home that I'm not interested in. But, you know, I'll apply to try to win it for free, because why not? And I also watched a bunch of movies and shows and stuff. So, like, the Oscars was on. I know it got terrible, terrible ratings. I enjoyed it. I actually thought it was pretty good. I don't understand when they have a scaled-down version how they still manage to not get it done on time. But whatever. I watched the movie Parasite. That was awesome. It was worth all the accolades it got. I'm really happy I watched I it. I keep forgetting about that. That's one I want to watch when Jen's not around because she hates oh, scary yeah. movies. Oh, yeah. It is not really scary. Oh. It is a thriller, but it is not scary. It is a little bit gory. I didn't expect that. Okay. But it's good. It's really, really so good. Not, and not I, scary. It's not scary. No. Maybe I can convince her. Yeah, it's not a scary movie because it's it's intrigue and the the promos give you all these like silent tense moments so that you think that it's going to be scary but it's not really scary. Okay. Also watched the Oscar award winning best documentary My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. I had seen this before and was interested in it and so when it won I'm like, "Oh yeah, okay. I'll go watch it now." It is so good. It is a wonderful, wonderful film. And I highly recommend checking it out. It's about a guy in South Africa who literally befriends an octopus and visits this octopus in its natural habitat 
every single day for over a year. It's amazing. And I highly recommend checking it out. I watched the highly promoted movie on Amazon Prime, Without Remorse, the new Tom Clancy movie. And that was a complete waste of two and a half hours of my time. Oh, like <laughs> you probably saw my eyes perk up at, ooh, a Tom Clancy movie? Yeah, no, uh, terrible. Okay. Absolutely terrible. Then uh, more movies, still more to go. I watched on Disney Plus the documentary called Howard. This is about Howard Ashman. I really didn't know much at all about Howard Ashman other than that he was the brains behind movies like uh, The Little Mermaid and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. And he really, he and Alan Menken together kind of started the Disney renaissance that occurred near the end of their um, uh, kind of like cell animation period and that he died very young of AIDS when I was fairly young. He died in, in like 87, I think. And, or maybe 89, I don't know, something really young. And so I, I was fascinated by this. I didn't know a lot about what he had done before that. He was actually uh, the person who ended up, bringing Little Shop of Horrors to film, which is just a really fun, campy movie. And uh, I, I'm so glad I watched it. It's like an hour and a half and totally worth it if you're into Disney stuff. I also watched John Wick 3. If you know anything about this series of films and you liked the first one, you'll like the third one. It was more of the same. And I did enjoy that. And then we watched the movie Greenland, which was on, I believe, HBO Max. It had been in theaters and available to purchase. And wow, I'm glad we waited until it was free because that was just also terrible. And finally, because I'm caught up on podcasts, I have time to read or rather listen to books too now. So I have been, I, I actually finished listening to Dan Rather's What Unites Us, which I thought was fantastic. And he reads it, which is even better. That is better. So this is, this is a, a book that attempts to talk about what's been going on in the world around us. And this is like free capital invasion, right? Like this is actually early in the Trump presidency. I think it was uh, 2017 that this came out. And mm. he talks a lot about the things that are, that he believes are important to all United States citizens and uh, residents and the things in the country that bind us together. And I, I thought it was really, really good. Cool. That sounds like one I should listen to. Yeah, I would recommend it. Lots of stuff on my list, and your list is longer than normal. Well, it is a couple of weeks long, right? So, but but it's still not from watching much. Watched some hockey, watched some Mighty Ducks, but we're, boy, at this point, we're at least, I don't know, because I don't know how many episodes there were in the season, because I'm betting that the season finale has already hit. Uh, but 
We watched an episode at some point during the last couple of weeks and still love that show. On the gaming side, a little bit of Call of Duty, getting kind of frustrated with Call of Duty, uh, a little bit of NHL, getting a little bit of frustrated with NHL. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, played some Wasteland 3, finally, with Joe. Uh, still really like that game and its ridiculousness. Played for about a half an hour, Star Wars Squadrons. Uh, this game is now on Game Pass. And this is the Star Wars game where you're flying X-Wings and TIE Fighters and stuff like that. And it seems cool. And man, when I was a teenager and stuff, I've, I loved flight simulators. I was pretty decent at them. I don't know if this is a situation of not having a flight stick, but I am terrible at controlling these spaceships oh wow I, I cannot fly them well at all but it's cool and the game seems like it's done really well but i feel like i need like a training mode that i can just sit at for like a couple of hours and just get decent at flying the ships because i'm not doing well hmm. but it's cool on the hardware side for the first time in my life i own an apple device Mm-hmm. All of my own. Uh, I I asked for. I've been wanting an iPad. My wife surprised me with an iPad for my birthday, which was the day after we last recorded. Uh, so I got an iPad Air. I really like it. Uh, it's obviously way better than my very old Android tablet. Um, so I mean, it's brand new, so it works really, really great. There's no lag or anything like that. I've got the Logitech Cran for for writing with it i didn't pay for the twice as expensive apple pencil because it seems like the only benefit to that apple pencil is if you draw and i don't i'm terrible at drawing i would never use it for that so i don't need to spend 120 dollars on the apple pencil it's uh, also but, magnetic that's cool yeah it's just so that it falls off in your bag or <laughs> like no like no i i would just end up losing the 120 pencil so that that uh, like I would still need to get like a case that has an elastic loop or something because I would not trust the magnets. Um, whenever you buy a new Apple device, you also get free trials to a couple of their services. So one was Apple Arcade, which I was very much interested in because Apple Arcade, the game subscription service that they offer, has a fairly new uh, role-playing game called Fantasian, which is made by Mistwalker which is the company that made one of my favorite role-playing games of all time, Lost Odyssey, which was an Xbox 360 exclusive. So this was like 2009 or something like that 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 game came out. It was really good, had amazing music. So similar developers, music from the same composer. Um, and the play style is very similar to uh, Final Fantasy VII. And I think think there's probably a lot of uh, people working in this game that were also involved in some of those earlier Final Fantasy games. It's cool. Like I'm only an hour and a half or so into it, but I'm really, really liking that game. Um, I, I've also been reminded by Apple a couple of times that I get a free year of Apple TV Plus. Is it Apple? T yeah, it's got to have a plus. They all have yep. a plus after them. And so I should probably sign up for that and watch Richard's favorite show of all time. Uh, maybe not of all time, but I'm blanking on the name. Maybe close. Ted Lasso. Ted yes, Lasso. absolutely. You have no excuse now. 
for not, well, except that your life is crazy right now, but it shouldn't be for an entire year, right? You should be able to watch Ted Lasso and the new season starts, I believe, in July. So you want to get that watched early. It's It's such an easy watch. You will just want to binge this. And you'll want to watch The Morning Show and For All Mankind because those are also excellent. And I think you will probably like Mythic Quest as well, considering that you are a software developer and a gamer. Right, right. So does Apple TV do the stupid thing that Disney Plus does where you have to wait a week in between each episode? Yes. (laughs) And obviously that doesn't matter for season one of Ted Lasso. But right. if season two is coming out in July, then it makes sense to watch season one right before season two comes out. But man, don't make me wait a week between episodes. Yeah. You know what? If you're stressed and like you just you, you're like just wound tight, watch Ted Lasso whenever. It doesn't matter when you watch it. It's just going to make you feel good. <laughs> if you need something to make you feel good, watch Ted Lasso. And remind me for all mankind. Is that a movie or a show? It is a series. It's two seasons long now, and it is a space race show that looks at what life would look like, would have looked like if we didn't get to the moon first. Right. Right. And, and you know this because you see our notes, but when you first talked about For All Mankind, I wrote a note down in my notes so that I would remember to watch this at some point. And what I wrote was, for all mankind, and then in parentheses, something about Russians winning the space race. That's all I knew. <laughs> I just remembered, like, it sounded awesome. So it's been in my notes forever so that I wouldn't forget about it. Uh, and Ted Lasso's in there. So, yeah, maybe once we get moved and settled, uh, I, I do think that, like, Ted Lasso is probably something that Jen's also going to like, something that we can de-stress with. So I am excited about that. and And I love the fact that I don't need an Apple TV to watch Apple TV Plus. Right. Right. So, yeah. Very excited about all that. Well, it has been awesome finally getting to record episode 555, uh, but we've come to an end. If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter. Richard is at Richard Gunther. I'm at Josh Pollard. The website is at DigiMediaZone, D I G I MediaZone. We're kind of on Facebook. Uh, we've got email addresses, all that stuff. Go over to the digitalmediazone.com and you'll find all of the contact information there for you to be able to get a hold of us. You should also head over to the website on Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern because that's typically when we record this show. And almost always we record the show live using Twitch. You can watch it right there at the website. There's a chat room. We had quite a few people in there tonight hanging out with us, which is always so much more fun. So hopefully we will see you all again next time because that's going to do it for episode 555. He's Richard Gunther and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.